Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to the OT's Get Paid podcast, episode 53. Many of you are thinking about forging your own path, if you haven't already. And there's some of you out there that are wanting to forge an incredibly unique path. It is a path that hasn't been done before, whether it is in your niche area, in the type of offer that you're putting out there, in terms of your pricing, or in terms of something that an OT has never done. Today, we are talking to somebody who has forged their own path to making more money than any mental health OT can do working within the system in the country of South Africa. This is a story about somebody who not only came up against a system where thinking outside that box to deliver private practice mental health OT wasn't done, but in a country that wouldn't be considered the typical Canada, North America, European stable economy. And for this reason, I thought it was really brilliant to be able to highlight our next guest. What I hope you get out of the podcast today is all of us have, many of us have mountains to climb, many of us have new paths to forge, and it is my hope that this podcast guest can give you some not only tips and tricks, but some inspiration for the real challenge that she had delivering a new service in a very different type of country. We have listeners from all over the world, truly all over the world. Uh, It stuns me every time I see a new country pop up in our statistics. And I want to make sure that we grab the worldwide flavor of this community. And so for that reason, and for inspiration, and for tips and tricks, today I bring you Carlin Turblanche. Welcome, Carlin. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And you, Trish? Good. Now, I know, and I fess, that I likely butchered your name. So why don't you say your name in the Afrikaans way so that people can hear it pronounced properly? <laughs> so my name is Carlin with a R. But I have to say, Trish, you, you actually do it pretty well. Like, <laughs> you try, at least. So, yeah, thank you. You, you, you get very close. Okay, good. I get half points. <laughs> More than half. Well, you know, it's important and it's, it's really thematic about what we are going to discuss today. And part of the importance outside of It's Your Name, and I want to make sure I pronounce it properly, is a lot of what we're going to discuss today has to do with where you live in the world, 
what your world looks like, and the things that you've accomplished in your world. So before we jump into that, I want you to answer the question that I ask everybody right off the bat, which is, how do you make money? Meaning, who are you (laughs) and what do you do exactly? So I run a private practice. I offer services, mental health services. I'm a mental health occupational therapist. In 2016, I left my paid job. And since then, I have been running my own business. And since 2021, I have not only been seeing clients, I have a coaching arm to my business. So now I also help other mental health therapists and practitioners build their own businesses and allow them to think about what's possible for them in business and in how you work. And you live in? In South Africa, in Cape Town, (laughs) in, um, in the most beautiful city in the world. You might get some kind of feedback on that, but I really think it is. Yeah. And it's like, obviously it's a very, very interesting country to live in. And I'm, yeah, I just also want to say like, I'm so aware that I'm a, I'm a white middle-class South African. So I'm also not like representing the whole country, but I'm representing my like little corner of my lived experience as well. Well, I'll say two things to that. The first is I used to live in San Francisco many, many years ago. And we quickly made friends with a couple from South Africa and they lived in Cape Town. And they lived on the other side of San Francisco. They lived in Tiburon and Sausalito, which if you know the area, it's just across the Golden Gate Bridge. And they said that that was the place in the world that reminded them most of Cape Town. Wow, that's really interesting. Yep. And so to those who have not been to South Africa, which I believe are probably many listening to this podcast, and those who have been to you know, the Pacific Northwest, specifically San Francisco, that was their comment. So I have not been to your country or your city, but I can imagine it from these Cape Towners who told me that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mountainy and small town meets kind of big city, nature, beautiful. Yeah. That vibe. Well, again, the reason that we're focusing on this, and you know, Carlin and I discussed this before we pressed record, is what we really want to capture here. We might not do it well. <laughs> I'm always willing to try something and not do it well. We might, I might come across a bit like a bull in the china shop in this particular topic. Not only did I want to highlight Carlin for, you know, the work that she's doing as an OT with two unique offers, mental health therapists, but there is something really important and thematic about doing things your way, creating things your way. But in Carlin's case, it's also really specific to your country. And that is what we are going to attempt to discuss with some grace, maybe in some like, you know, maybe, as I said, bull in the china shop. But I think it's really important for the people who listen. We have a truly, truly worldwide podcast audience. And I think we have to be cognizant that not everybody is building things in a typically North American market. I am very aware of being Canadian. And I'm very aware that not everybody has a typical North American experience for building their business. And that's a big part of what we want to discuss. Emerging markets, being in a new geography, being in a very different country that's not a typical North American. Did we get that right? You're not. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. I think we're we're on theme. Okay, good. <laughs> so what was your and so you know, Caroline, it goes without saying that as you're answering these questions, I want you to make sure that you inject that South African experience, the difference in, you know, what your geography is and economy is and demographics are, because that makes a difference to starting a business and growing yeah. a business as you've done. So tell me about that fist on the table moment for you that came in 2016 and starting something different. Mm. Trish, it, as I started listening to your podcast, like, I don't know, six months, a year ago, I have been answering this question in my head so often. <laughs> so now I get to actually answer it on your Woo-hoo! podcast, which is really cool. <laughs> so I never really had like a fist on the table moment. I had more of like a slow movement towards the table or something like that. I love um, it. Yeah, there was, it, it's almost like there was always something in me that kind of knew I was going to work for myself or in a different way or yeah I would always you know maybe like study a bit longer so I didn't have to go into like a full-time job or I would always like I don't know just 
try and change the scope and the boundaries and the ways of doing things. Um, yeah, so in 2016, I got married. So that was the year that I got married. And obviously with getting married, there's lots of like things to organize and like leave and time to take off and honeymoon and things like that. And I think the slow movement came to fruition in that year where I just realized working for an employer and working, having to be at work at a certain time and only being able to leave at a certain time, whether there are clients or not, you know, yeah, just, it felt so rigid and inflexible. And I just, I just honestly didn't enjoy it. And at some stage before that, I had to take like two weeks off for burnout. And I had to take those two weeks out of my like annual leave, not even out of my sick leave. So the, they were just like little things. But in 2016, it was almost like we just, so my husband and I kind of discussed our future and we just saw that it was more of a moving away from what wasn't working than necessarily knowing this is exactly what I was going to do. But I knew what wasn't working for me. Wow. That's a really insightful answer. I don't think I've heard anybody answer it in quite that way. And also very permissive to those mm. who feel that way too. Like you don't have to have it all sorted out. I will say, and I've said it a few times, once again, you've highlighted, we could easily change this brand from OTs Get Paid to OTs Want Freedom. Yeah. I think that's actually what resonates more with people. It's really less about the money, although obviously people don't want a hobby. But once again, your fist on the table was, there's got to be a better yeah. way. There's got to be some freedom there. Yeah. Yeah. And I make more money. So, you yeah, know. Exactly. We're going to get into that. That's <laughs> Freedom comes with that. So Exactly. So why don't we talk about the income and the impact goals for your company this year and for the future? Yeah. So this was a little bit of a different, like difficult question for me to answer. So for two reasons. So the one is we work in a RAND currency and I always have to translate things from dollars to rand and then like figure out what that means as well because you know purchasing power is different and what you can buy with like 10 rand and $1 is not the same depending on the country that you're in. So, I will tell you the rand and I'll tell you the dollar and then I'll tell you what that means. So basically last year I had a gross income of 700,000 rand, which is roughly $47,000. US dollars? US dollars, yeah. So this year, my goal is to make the same from my coaching as I did last year from my private practice. So that's kind of the income goal. But what that money means in real terms here, so what I could do with earning more, even though that might not like sound as much as like 100k for someone in in America it meant that i could for the last 6 months support my husband so i have been the sole breadwinner because he, we also realized that he didn't love working for uh, an employer and yeah so i've been able to cover our household finances and income and still have a pretty good life like we can still you know go on holiday and like eat out and things like that with him earning nothing for the last six months. Amazing. So yeah, that's what that kind of translates to in South African Rand. Thanks. I have a question. Remind me, because I have a story to tell. Yesterday I was in the grocery store and there was the sweetest, you know, I'm in Peds and actually I'm in Peds for a reason. I didn't fall into Peds, like Peds called me. And one of the reasons I was put on this universe is to work with little people. And there was this darling little person. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my clients started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. The line behind me in the grocery store, and they weren't speaking English. And in fact, 
I consider myself pretty good with languages. I'm fluent in French. And I couldn't get the root of their language. It turns out they were Dutch, which is a really yeah, tough it's language. Very tough <laughs> and as well, similar yeah. to Afrikaans, right? Yeah. Uh, which made me think about our podcast today. At any rate, I tried to talk to the kid, and usually I'm really good at drawing out little people, and they didn't speak any English, or he didn't speak any English, his parents said. So I thought they had perhaps recently immigrated. Well, they were here on holiday. And I live in an area of Canada which is very tourist friendly. We're right on the edge of the Rocky Mountains. You know, it's a beautiful part of the country and many, many people come and visit. So the parents were like, we landed yesterday. Oh, wow. I know. And I said, oh my goodness. So this was their first grocery run, their first big shop before they got into their car and started driving to the mountains. So that's the scene. And the one thing, because I said to them, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, welcome. And yeah, you know, I'm, I hope that, do you have any questions? Like, you know, Trish, the enthusiastic puppy at the grocery store. And they said no, but they said, I said, how are things going so far? Like, are you tired? And she goes, I can't believe how expensive these groceries are. Oh, wow. <laughs> was the first thing she said. Yeah. And I looked at yeah. her cart and it was probably, again, it's very interesting because it reminded me once again, I had just been on holiday myself two weeks before and I was in Portland and the shocking amount of food that I could buy in Portland for no money. Mm. Like, I almost fell over. I was like, where's the other digit? Mm. You're telling me this is $25? This should be $125 mm. in my country. Well, that's why you guys should all visit Cape Town because you can do a lot here with your money. There <laughs> so we go. Like, okay, a good tourist plug. plug. Good tourist <laughs> plug. But again, and so I quite literally had that experience of, holy cow, mm-hmm. this is so quote unquote cheap. And this woman yeah. was like, I can't believe. And I said to her, how much would this be in Holland? And she said, oh, like it would be double. And yet I had just, you know, spent half. In Portland. Yeah. And so again, you know, that's really the flavor yeah. of what we're trying to get at through this podcast too. Yeah. So we're not just North American centric and how the translation translation is is mm. so necessary. Cause I mean, it's banal to say cultures are so different, but I mean, that's what we're kind of trying to get at as we're talking through business. So. Yeah. And that it's not only because I think we can all use a currency translator. You know, we can yeah. all like, oh, you know, it's that many dollars, but so what does it mean? Like that much rand, but what does it mean? And I exactly. think that's the like, big kind of theme because it's also in this kind of global world and running an online business and a coaching business, mm-hmm. you pay for your subscriptions in dollars. Yep. So no matter what country you come from, you pay for Canva and you pay for Kajabi and and the currency has been fluctuating so much. I have mm-hmm. like I have a big kind of investment that I need to make in a in a program in dollars. And I've been like every single day checking my currency calculator to figure out the best day to make that payment because it's like it's quite a significant difference if I do it like now two weeks later or two weeks earlier so I think that's part of running a business here as well interesting very interesting so let's get into the kind of the heart of it which is I want you to talk about how you forged your own path to making more money in mental health and what that journey was like and what mental health was like is like in South Africa and, mm. and what the challenges are for that. Yeah. So we actually often talk about the fact that South Africa has two economies. So we have quite a private economy and a public economy. And we are one of the most unequal countries in the world. So we, we um, in a race with Thailand often, <laughs> we like some, some years we win and some years they win. But just in terms of the discrepancy of income in the country, so you would either in South Africa enter mental health care services in a public hospital and there it would, so I've never worked in that space. So I feel a little bit uneducated to talk about it, but you know, I'm going to do it to try and do the there. best I can. You live there. You do it better than me. Yeah. And like some South African OT who works in government can yeah. comment on the podcast okay, if I'm enough. saying something incorrect. <laughs> but basically it often means inpatient services and long wait lists because there, if you had to wait at a clinic to see a psychologist or get counseling, it would be something like once a month or once every two months. Like when I did my, so we do community service when we finish our basic studies 
at that hospital, it was up in the north of the country, the psychologist would come in like once every three months. So we just like the OT and whoever else was there just had to do the mental health part. We just had to. So that's the one way to kind of access the services. And then there's private healthcare. So most people like I do who are able to afford it pay for um, private medical aid or medical insurance. And that would usually cover some, but not all of the services. So I have only ever worked in mental health at like an inpatient clinic, which was covered by, they would use medical aid or medical insurance to have an admission there if you were a client or as an outpatient, you would see a psychologist or OT or a psychiatrist or whoever, and your medical aid would pay or you'd have to pay out of pocket. So that's the kind of context of the situation. And then I for, I think there was another question. I'm not sure what you Well, what it was providing that context. And then how did you go about creating ah. something pretty unique in that yeah. market? Yeah. So part of what I always thought I would do is <laughs> I want to make a lot of money from people who are able to afford services so that I can give back to people who aren't able to afford it. And like one of the big things that I'm always sitting with is still trying to figure that out because so basically in 2016, I quit my job. I didn't have a perfect plan. I think you've kind of used these words as well, like an accidental entrepreneur. So I just kind of figured it out and I was surrounded by the right people at the right time. And I just took the leap and I just did it. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I was figuring it out as I went. And yeah, I just started offering private mental health services as an occupational therapist, where if you are an occupational therapist in mental health offering private services, you would usually be employed by or connected to a clinic. So what I did that was different was I went completely on my own. And Actually, the, before I gave my resignation, I went to my uh, the owner of the clinic at the time and I presented what I thought was a really cool business plan. I was like, look, I can start this like outpatient service and you can refer to me and like we can work together in this way. And I was really excited because I thought it was really going to work. And I really honestly do think it would have been mutually beneficial. But he was just, he looked at me, he was kind of like, nah, you know, we, we don't actually want to do that. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I went home. I remember like I was in tears because I knew that I, I didn't want to keep on working there. I didn't know how else to do this if if I couldn't be connected to a clinic. The only other options I had was moving to another clinic wow. or going to work in a government service. And I didn't want to do that either. So as I said earlier, it was more about moving away from what didn't work and just took the leap and rented an office and literally made an appointment with every single psychiatrist and every single medical doctor in that area and told them about me and what I was doing. And they started referring and I started getting good results and then they would refer more and my clients would tell their friends. And that's kind of how things happened. Well, again, the crux of what I want people that are listening to hear is it's not just going and being independent in a system that already exists. I mean, that's what I did, right? Like, Mm. okay, I opened a bricks and mortar therapy clinic. That's pretty cool. But those already existed, (laughs) right? Like you really create, you know, a new market in an emerging market country, right? Like, I just think that's really important to highlight. And yeah, and I think to, to also kind of show that you can make money in a market that you sometimes think people won't pay for. That you know, was going to be my people next People would question. say to me like, who's so let gonna, her rip. Yep, like, go who's going to pay for that? <laughs> yeah, I actually have this story. Um, even like four or five years ago, even before I kind of cognitively, I think subconsciously I decided, but cognitively I hadn't decided yet that I was going to open a private practice. I was in this projective technique workshop and there was another OT working there. And, you know, it was one of those things where you choose the picture that represents something and whatever. And mine was something about being quite out of the box and forging my own path. Like those were the themes that came up. And I think I just mentioned something like, you know, one day I think I'm just going to open my own private practice or something. And 
she was also working at a clinic and she said to me, you know, mental health OTs can't actually do that. Like mm. peds OTs can do that. And like hands OTs can do that. And psychologists can do that. And psychiatrists can do that. But mental health OTs can't do that. And I feel pretty proud of myself that I did it. Like I just did it. You really did. Let's, I mean, I am a believer and I think I'm one of the rare ones. I'm a believer of like, you just figure it out, right? And yet there are so many people that listen to this Mm. podcast that would love, I know what the question is they're asking now. They're yelling at the, you know, their phone in the car or wherever they're listening to this on their walk. Like, how did you do that? So why don't you, you've already talked about your intro to marketing, which is all relationship-based and showing them the outcomes. And then it just gets to be a snowball, which is really, I think, the very best way. It's so organic. It's not rocket science, Mm. right? And that's the way I built my business as well. What else? Like, tell me some of the best resources that you use to figure out and the next steps to figure it out for people that are listening. Yeah. So I think like even as you say, you know, marketing and relationship-based marketing, I didn't even have the vocabulary back then to describe it. Mm -hmm. I, I was just kind of thinking like, how can I get in front of people and explain to them what I'm doing? And I think for me, it was like, it's about both moving towards what feels right and what is working and what you see is working and moving away from what isn't. And what was a real benefit of being so small, it was literally just me and then the person that I paid to do my billing is that you can adapt so quickly. Like you can change and adapt and try something new. And if it doesn't work, I could change and I could figure something out and I could start a group and I could stop a group and I could do home visits and then figure out that takes way too much time and then like only take on this kind of clients and start to like niche down and all those things that I now have vocabulary for. So it's really hard to answer because as you say, there's no formula. But I almost want to say to anyone who is thinking of, of starting any business or doing anything different is that it's about kind of just stop asking, am I allowed to do this? Like, am I allowed to do it this way? Am I allowed to work for myself? Am I allowed to charge this? Am I allowed to, is this in my scope of practice? Because all of those things, like it is obviously important to work in our scope of practice and be ethical and, and all of that. But I, I think the the research and the market and the way that especially in mental health, and I'm sure in other areas of OT as well, new things are emerging all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to, the more important question than am I allowed to do this is, is this helping someone? Is this making a difference? Is this working for me and for them, right? Like it doesn't help that it's making a difference to your clients, but you're burning out. So yeah, stop asking for permission and just do it. I think is the best kind of way that I can answer that question. Are you like that in other areas of your life? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People um know the Enneagram. I'm a yeah. I'm an Enneagram three. And luckily I have a husband who is quite grounding and can help bring me back to earth. But I I move quite fast. I'm like very big on taking action. So I guess that's a personality trait that's helped me a lot because I wouldn't really get stuck on needing to maybe like figure out the perfect financial plan or like figure out the perfect group content or make my flyer perfect. I would often just put it out there, even though there's a typo, like I'm quite action orientated and action based. So that's been really helpful in my business. And I'm actually thinking of something else now as well. Like when you asked what helped me to create this and to forge this path was surrounding myself with the right people at the right time. So like the importance of community. So I have Actually, the OT was working (laughs) with me at that same clinic at that time. Also started a different kind of mental health service and business. And at that time, her and I were quite close and we were helping each other being quite like out of the box. And she's also very unafraid of taking risks. And then like the people across from me, like in the office or the people that would I don't know. It felt like I could just find the right people in the right communities to serve me at the right time who were similar to me. And 
I think if you surround yourself with the right people and the right community and the right energy, you take that on and you want to be in a supportive space. I think that was another big thing that made a huge difference. You know, until we started talking, I didn't realize how many similarities you and I have. And that's exactly like me too. I'm a two, three, but I'm a lot of three. And I felt the same way. Yeah. For a long time, I thought I was a two, but I'm also actually like a three with a two wing. Yeah. Well, it's very freeing. And I mean, it makes you and I not like, you know, if you still feel stuck, go and listen to the podcast we did with Carlin a couple of weeks ago, not Carlin, (laughs) but Carlin Neek, (laughs) because that's, you know, for people who feel stuck. And I just never really felt stuck. I have to say, I was actually willing, again, I've used this term a few times, bull in a China shop. Like I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay with being like, I don't know, like Mm. puppy energy or like, you know, I'll just kind of try something. And if it is an utter failure, oh, well, I'll just pick myself back up and keep going. Right. And nothing has really been an utter failure, but especially in the beginning when, and and I too was very disciplined. And this is something I talk about in any of my programs with any of my clients is like, you have to become far more disciplined with who you surround yourself with. And so I'm really Mm. glad that you brought that up too, because I think that is a very big switch from an employee to an entrepreneur. Yeah. Even if your in-laws or whomever, like even if your partner is like, you know, I don't think this is a safe move. Like I'm too scared of the financial risks. I think, you know, then I would never advocate to go against a partner that you're with and also get some more information right? Mm. Do you need a bookkeeper that's like your champion and is great with numbers that can like bring it to your family? Can you ask for, you know, three months to say, let's let's give this a whirl? And, you know, I've had clients who have said to me, I'm quite literally not going to talk to my parents about this because they're flipping out. They want me to be in something that's really, quote unquote, safe. So it, it sounds like you already intuitively knew to surround yourself and to be really disciplined with your your community. Yeah, 100%. And it's actually funny that you mentioned parents. I I actually think I might not even have told my parents for a while that I didn't have a paid income <laughs> because I know it would have caused them so much anxiety. And as you said, also like I never really felt a lot of fear, but I did feel hopeless sometimes and I did oh, yeah. feel anxious sometimes. And I, I think that's just the, the normal spectrum of emotions because when we try something new, we obviously want it to succeed. but yeah, like my husband was very supportive. He was like, I can carry us for a bit. Let's Mm -hmm. see where this goes. Mm -hmm. And now it's the other way around. Now I can carry him for a bit and we can see where that goes. So like that energy that makes space for, yeah, the risk and the, and the support and the cheerleading, as opposed to I obviously being a mental health OT, I strongly believe in therapy. So Mm -hmm. I I think for my whole life, I've been seeing psychologists in various Mm -hmm. shapes Mm -hmm. and forms. And before I quit my job, I had that whole business plan. And when that didn't work, I sat with my psychologist and I tried to like strategize. What was the, yeah, what was the, the recipe? I wanted to figure out a recipe. And she was also kind of just like, you know, Carolina, it's life. Like we can't predict all of it. You have to just like let go and try. And I think even that was so helpful and freeing that coming not only like, you know, business and life are so intertwined that it's not only in business who we surround ourselves with, but also who is our support, who, is, who are our friends, who's our, our social circle. And is that the, the energy that we need in our lives? I mean, I couldn't agree more. Maybe you and I are just going to be saying the exact, like maybe there's no conflict or tension in this interview because you and I are so similar. <laughs> and there's like, you know, people who live in fear out there going like, well, I can't finish this because nobody's speaking to my issues. <laughs> so here's a question that I have for you. What I think happens, and tell me if you agree or disagree. I find that people that are starting, because like, you know, what you have created with your coaching mental health OTs and what I've created is like, we wanted to create community and resources that didn't exist for OTs when we started, right? Mm. And while I think that is incredibly helpful, every once in a while, I see it backfiring. And so my question to you is, do you as well? Because it's almost like we didn't know what we didn't know, Carlin, and we had the ability to just Mm. do it. 
as threes, right? We're like, Mech, okay, I'll try it. Do you see people now almost getting too caught up in it again, as opposed to maybe the freedom that you and I had without community, without an OT next to us, without a podcast, without, you know, lessons, without modules? Do you almost feel like people now know too much and so it still keeps them in overwhelm and fear? Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of, you know, mental health wise, we all know that, you know, when you look at the news all the time, that increases mm-hmm. your anxiety. Totally. I know um, and I think, yep. yeah, right. <laughs> and I think a similar thing can happen in business where we're, even with like the best of intentions, we can have so much external input. And I think even in myself, I have actually also gotten caught up in this, like this course and that course and, you know, then Facebook marketing and VIP day and this and that and that. And all of those things are good. I don't think it's it's bad to have education and training, but it does something in our fear system of our brain where now we kind of know what like we still need to do and the energy we need to put out or now we know it can go wrong or and all marketing well not all marketing but some marketing is a bit like fear-based you know like if you mm-hmm. don't have this in your business then like this can go wrong or like that's the risk so yeah definitely I I do see that and I I'm also aware that you know we were speaking about South Africa that here the risk of leaving your job is huge. So I don't want to kind of play that down and say to like every single mental health OT that quit your jobs and everything will work out and your life will be fine. Because we are in an economy where if you quit your job and you don't necessarily have a financial buffer and maybe you don't have a husband who can support you for a while, that jobs are really scarce and it's really difficult to find a job again. So I'm also mindful of that and how how we have to sometimes think of that and navigate that and have a little bit of a, you know, maybe working a bit for ourselves and having a a half-day job or something like that or making sure you have some low coming lined up or I don't want to be one of those people who also just ignore the the real risks because there there are the risks in our head, the things our anxiety kind of makes up irrationally, but there also is the real financial risk and bills that need to be paid and like we can't ignore those so well put thank you for highlighting that yeah i i don't make any bones that living in canada i don't depend on a job for health care i don't yeah. i mean i'm i'm the head of my i mean i had no plan b because it was up to me to now be making all the money for all the children right and all the food and everything mm-hmm. um but again yeah you're right that my risk assessment I was betting on myself and I knew that if push came to shove, any child of mine or me included was still going to be able to go to hospital, right? So yeah, yeah, I I love that you said that. What I want to do before we start getting into the rapid fire questions at the end is I've been taking some notes as you've been talking and you've said a few times like, you know, just let go, which is just so thematic Mm. for me these days instead of you know trying to control you know I have decided to put things out to the you know god of my understanding universe whatsoever Mm. to just say like could you please handle this for a while and I try to do that very cognitively even about like what should I make for dinner (laughs) I think I'm burnt out on answering questions for my own self and then I'll listen to the god of my understanding and what they will say um so you've talked about letting go and you've talked about risk versus, I use the word movement marketing, right? We were talking about marketing, like risk-based, problem-based marketing versus movement marketing. And I know that you've been working Mm -hmm. on your mission and your vision, and I want to make sure we get that in this before we go to rapid-fire questions. So that's a very long-winded question of, you've evolved. You've really evolved. And your mission and your vision are really included in your outlook, I think, on how you actually built your business. So I want you to share your your vision and your mission, please. Yeah, yeah, cool, with with pleasure. And I actually redid my mission and my vision yesterday morning. Um, Nothing like a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Nothing like a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) I did it the first time in your um, 100K club and haven't looked at it since. And then the podcast (laughs) coming up, so... Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's like, it has been really helpful. So like, it's honestly, and, and just seeing in those last like three, four months, how it has evolved. Cause yeah. So I'll read my vision and my mission. And then I have a comment to make on the letting go thing as well. So still always struggling between what's vision and what's mission. Mm-hmm. So kind of, if I put it as one at the moment and I'll get to a space where I can put them separately, but it's really about for me that any mental health practitioner in South Africa or anywhere in the world feels that they can have options so that there's not just one way or two ways or three ways of doing it. Because I think that's also part of what like leads to burnout because when we feel stuck and we feel hopeless, we also can't imagine a future where things can be different. So my mission and my vision is really to challenge that idea that things can only be one way and the way that you work can only be one way. And I think especially for allied health professionals like the OTs and the addiction counselors and the eating disorder dietitians, because in South Africa, psychologists have been working for themselves for years. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we don't. And you don't have to do it this way. You don't have to do it my way. You don't have to do it. There are like millions of ways to do it. But the answer is inside you. It's not in some external system that tells you how you should live your life and do your job. So yeah, that's a a (laughs) long-winded answer of my vision and my mission. It's good. And I mean, you're you're backing that up with services for mental health OTs. And I think it's it's not the typical mission and, and vision, right? It's actually very uniquely yours and it stands again in your geography and the demographics and also, you know, your Enneagram, et cetera. So I love it. I think it really captures you. And you wanted to make a comment about letting go. Yeah. So I think there's a, a quote. I'm going to try and find it. Um, somewhere there's a beautiful quote about, you know, like knowing what to hold on to and what to let go of. It might be the AA one, not sure. But I think part of my, both my own personal growth journey and my business journey has been exactly that. As you say, like, what can I hand over to the God of my understanding yeah, I think or the to AA the universe or to let the- go, let God. I think that's what it is. It's the one about like what to hold on to and what to let go of and, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh yeah. That- yeah. That sounds familiar. I don't know it either, but yeah. If you want the exact yeah. quote, go look up. I think it's the end of the AA prayer isn't it the 12th step yeah I think it's it's the prayer or the intention that they say Mm -hmm. and that I think really resonates for me as a business owner and for my clients because there's the part of forging a path that is the bull in the china shop and they just go ahead and do it and try and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and there's also the part that's letting go and being in the flow. And as you say, like handing over certain things that you can't be everything and you can't be on everything and you can't be on all the time. And I was discussing with a friend yesterday because she said she wished she was more like me, more like mm. action taking and doing things. And I said to her, I wish I was more like you. I wish I could like stay in my pajamas the whole day and I wish I could like chill a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's, there's the both and in in all of these qualities of, you know, being, just being human, I guess. Mm-hmm. I looked up the end of the serenity prayer because I have enough detail oriented in my personality that I needed to know it. God <laughs> grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. And that's the adapted yeah. from the Alcoholics Anonymous serenity prayer. I love Mm. talking to mental health OTs. You guys always bring it back to the basics. Okay. (laughs) Rapid fire. Now we're going to Trish World, which is like, get stuff done. Action, action. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? You've probably answered these in your head too, as you've been listening to the podcast. Obviously. Obviously, Obviously. Trish. I have. (laughs) Okay. What is your biggest personal splurge, Carlin? This is a funny one. So, well... It's it's a funny one because it's personal and a bit professional, but mm-hmm. laptops. I grew oh, yeah. up in a, a, yeah, like in a family where my dad is a computer programmer and we used to have like tons of computers around the house before it was even cool to have technology. And I will spend a lot of money on laptops because for me, they have to be like fast and they have to be portable. And I just like, 
my leisure time is on there and my work is on there. So laptops and then going out for dinner. It's one of my favorite things to do with my friends, with my husband, with my family, going out for dinner. So those two, I think I'm maybe single-handedly keeping some of the restaurants in Cape Town <laughs> functional and floating. So those are my personal splurges. Oh, I love that. I Again, we're really similar. I didn't know how similar you and I were. I 100% agree. That's so funny. On dinners out. It's like a thing for me. It's what one of the things I missed most in COVID. Strangely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cut down on like clothing so oh, that I can have dinner out like oh, me too. easily. It's like an entertainment <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. And again, for me, it comes back to community a little bit. Me too. But that's how I love being in community with people. Yeah. There's nothing like a good twinkly eating room. I don't know. Oh, okay. Same, same. Okay. And then do you have a separate business related splurge or was, did we cover business related splurge with laptops? Is there anything else that we missed there? No. So I think business would be training. So mm, I yeah. spend a lot of money on training and courses and things like that, which I'm super happy with and has always been the right call. It has. Especially eh? yours. Let's oh, like, well, well, thank put you. the plug in there. Didn't even Sorry. pay you to say that. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, Carlin alluded to this and, you know, we're always transparent. Carlin was a member, founding member of the 100K Club, actually. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I find and you find as well that you get ROI from all of that. That's important, that return on the investment and it happens. Yeah. Yeah. My husband is my unofficial accountant at the moment Good. in my business, but he is never allowed to know how much money I spend on trading. Never. So he never <laughs> sees that part of it. Well, the flip side I've heard is that... Now he's also not going to listen to this podcast. Exactly. (laughs) No, that never aired, sweetheart. I don't know what happened. And I'll tell you who it is because she's gone on record. Kelly Carino has gone on record to actually say that her husband now encourages her to spend money on training because he's like, oh, heck yes. Oh, you've got to do that. Oh, you think it's going to be too much? I don't think it's going to be too much because you always see an ROI on it. It's so interesting, right? Okay, where uh, do you have that's like my goal? That's your goal. <laughs> Sorry, we're interrupting each other a bit because we have a bit of a lag with, you know, I think it's like worth admitting technology is like not always on our side. So those who are listening, there's a tiny bit of a lag, but so be it. We're like on opposite ends of the world. Okay, yeah. Evelyn, where do you have paid help in your life? So in my business, I have a social media manager who mm-hmm. has actually gone on maternity leave now. So, but yes, that's one place. And then I have someone who's done my billing. So I have, even when I had two clients, I still outsourced my billing because I just can't. I have, let's see, I have someone who now and then for specific projects, I pay for kind of the detail orientated stuff and like higher level thinking through things with her because she's really good at business and really good at marketing and spotting details that I miss. So on project-based basis, I pay her. And then I have a tax accountant and then I have a cleaner. Yeah, someone who cleans my house once a week. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, last question. If I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures, seven million U.S. dollars. Oh, my word. We'll go big here. (laughs) This is my favorite question. Oh, and it's not even Rand. It's USD into your business right now. What would you spend it on? That's like five bajillion Rand. (laughs) Yeah, this was my favorite one to like answer in the car (laughs) when I would be listening to your podcast. (laughs) Go for it. So the very first thing I would do is take three months off Mm. so that I could strategize. So I would be developing like VIP days and coaching programs and things like that so that I wouldn't need to be seeing clients, like, you know, splitting my time between that and my coaching business. So that would be the first thing. And then it's a lot of money. So I might Mm. go on it's a different country on that like three months off and have a sabbatical. Maybe I'll visit Canada or something like that. And then I think what I'd also do is buy a property that I could run my business from Mm. so that I wouldn't be paying someone else rent. And I mean, it's just easier to make sure you have lunch and snacks and like all your stuff around you when you're close to your house or when you work from your house. So the days that I see online clients, I work from my house 
sometimes. Yeah, so I would buy a property that I could work from and then I would get a full-time PA who does not only like, you know, social media stuff, but like just those like little $10 tasks, <laughs> like even life stuff who could go and pick something up from the bank or like take that document there or whatever. I think that because I'm so action oriented that I get stuck sometimes in those dopamine hits of doing all the things, but they're not always the things I should be doing. So yeah, that's what I would do with all my millions of billions of dollars. Billions of rand. <laughs> and I think it's very achievable. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, a dollar figure aside, number aside, what you've discussed is all very next steps in a business owner, right? Mm. I mean, that's, that is both aspirational and achievable as you continue to grow. And I just want to say thank you as we're wrapping up for coming and for being so, you know, introspective and self-reflective and wise. And, you know, you're such a great communicator and also really leaning into this flavor of we're not all listening from the United States. And, you know, it's representative of how there are extra challenges in different countries around the world. And even if you are listening from the U.S., it will give you hopefully some inspiration to think out of the box in your own problems and your own challenges with growing a business. So thank you so very much. Yeah, thanks, Trish. I've also really enjoyed being on, on your podcast. It's been a lovely conversation. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. 